Hello, everybody, and welcome to one of those weird in-between week podcasts. Um, We are recording this on Boxing Day, so Merry Christmas to everybody. Hope you had a great one. Um, We thought we would just hop on and kind of round up our short stories episodes with a few books that we've still got outstanding to chat about. And we're not quite sure when we'll drop this, but who knows what day it is anyway, so you'll you'll get it when you get it. Hopefully soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, as Hannah said, we've just got a few loose ends to tie up, basically, before we get to our yearly favourites. Um, so we thought we'd, yeah, just quickly quickly chat about those ones that, that we have. From the last, what, like six weeks or something like that? It's been a while. I think some of these are from nearly like the beginning of November for me. I struggled when I was doing my notes to be like, I couldn't remember some of the characters' names. So yeah. this might be absolute chaos, but we'll have fun. Yeah, well, probably. <laughs> Absolutely. It's bu- books fizz fueled for me. Um, I'm going to start off with a sort of quick festive section because I have been doing my yearly read of some little festive numbers um so i've got three just to rattle through um the first of which uh is is one that i've seen quite a lot um it's a new release for this year which is the christmas book club by sarah morgan and i've read some of her festive uh books before and really enjoyed them so i thought i'd be on fairly safe ground with this and i'd seen a few reviews saying that this was going to be a, a good book, a nice little festive read that I was going to enjoy. And that is exactly what it was. <laughs> it was a lovely little festive book that I can't really find much fault with. And yeah, it was like the perfect cosy, wintry, Christmassy vibes. Um, it's basically a book about relationships and uh friendships and family and vermont and i want to go to vermont now (laughs) it's one of those books where it's just like oh i've started looking at holidays as soon as as soon as i finished the book like oh i could definitely go there um but yeah it's essentially um set at this really cute little inn in vermont um, which is run by Hattie, um, and Hattie is uh, running, she bought the inn with her late husband and is now running it on her own. Right. And then separate to that, there are a group of three uh, ladies, sort of late 30s to the 40 mark, um, and they do like a yearly book club they go they go away for like a week and do a little book club every year um and they're all going through various different things in their lives um it was very uh i i found it very easy to connect with because they're i mean i don't want to say that i'm late 30s i'm definitely not mid 30s thank you very much (laughs) but there was a lot of things that like i've had affinity with there was basically one of the one of the three is like the the perfect mum who whose kids are now grown up Uh and so she's going through a bit of a change because she doesn't necessarily 
know what she's going to do once her kids fly the nest. Yeah. Um, so there was that. Um, there was one um, who has seemingly like the, the perfect career. She isn't an overly em- emotional person, like feels really happy with herself, but still questions things and sort of pushes pushes people away a little bit right um and then there was another one uh who had just had her 10-year relationship breakdown um i feel like there was probably something in each of those characters that a lot of like women in their 30s will have a connection with so i think it it was a book that was really well written that you just kind of latched onto those characters and you there was there was someone for everyone yeah um i i think um yeah so i i really enjoyed it i think sarah morgan writes really cute nice christmasy books yeah and i will definitely read more by her if she releases one every single year i will read it um so that was was that i think that was the last one that i actually read so i'm kind of going in reverse order to the to the order that i read them in um the other ones um were one christmas eve by sherry lowe who i haven't actually read any books by before but again had seen quite a bit um and essentially this was uh, a triple timeline all set on christmas eve um and follows a daughter a mum and a grandmother all in the same family right um so it's it's set how let me i can't remember the years um but it's like it's set in 24 hours on oh what christmas eve in 1968 christmas eve 1993 christmas eve 2023 um so it yeah essentially things come out in the family and we sort of intersect with the different timelines i really really enjoyed it actually um both i think both the the last one that i talked about and this one i gave four stars to i thought they were really well written as well it's not just fluff i thought there was good like emotional connections and um yeah it was had more substance to it than just a romantic yeah kind of book um it's a lot more about the the family connections um and yeah so i I really enjoyed this this one as well and sherry Lowe, i think has written absolute shed loads um i feel like i've seen her name quite a lot Uh but but not all Never festive because there are some authors i think no. that just focus on festive things but yes yeah uh, but no like i think it's definitely like of the the chiclet variety yeah um but but yeah really well written um so i think i'll probably dip dip more back in for more from from that author cuz yeah it had me it had me interested and i absolutely powered through it like it was one of those books where i was like oh i re- i actually really want to know what what's going on there was some interesting characters in it um yeah sort of interesting to see how different uh 
members of the family's like mistakes lead on to like what happens in the future or what's happened in, in the past and how it all intersects yeah um yeah i mean i love i love myself a timeline that goes all over the place uh, and it, it was done really well so yeah i i really enjoyed that one as well and then my final uh christmasy number was meet me in central park um this one was i think i got all of these uh apart from the sarah morgan book i got them on prime reading um i just fancied some free christmasy books so. <laughs> uh this is meet me in central park by joe bartlett um and i didn't not enjoy this at all i, I thought it was a a, a good enough book but it having read the the other two now yeah i think they were just more well-rounded um i love new york i love christmas so that's why i picked this one up um it basically centers around a girl called libby whose parents um tragically died there's oh there's a lot of death in (laughs) families in at christmas like literally every single one of these books involved some sort of horrific loss um and that seems to be a bit of a, a trope at the moment i wonder if it's Christmassy books. because christmas is just so warm and fluffy that you have to add some kind of abject tragedy in there to balance well, maybe, it a bit <laughs> yeah maybe i i just yeah it just seems really sort of imp- I, just because it was like three books in a row where like it was it was quite <laughs> prevalent um so i was just like geez right this is this is this is a thing um anyway but uh, uh, libby's parents basically die in a tragic accident and she very much blames herself for it for reasons i won't go into but um her grandparents who she has been um living with in the uk are basically very worried about her and managed to strong arm her into going and working in new york for a couple of months um at her aunt's christmas shop which is just uh, near central park i was just looking at the blurb and it basically is is the entire story and you can guess everything that happens in right. it um but yeah she basically goes to new york to find herself um and that's it (laughs) it was it was like heartwarming characters she made she makes a great set of new friends um it's yeah it's it's really a a nice and warm read but probably a little bit too predictable for me and it also felt a little bit repetitive like we were treading going over the same ground like again and again i just feel like oh, okay right I'm, I'm, I'm over i'm over this now so out of the three that would probably be my my only complaint um it was absolutely fine but meh okay um i've got a kind of a easy read chick lit adjacent to kick off mine with which was kind of a surprise for me i did not know that i was going to love this book as much as i did and this is pre-loved by lauren bravo who is someone that I already followed on Instagram. She is one of the like Instagram cool girls that I kind of aspired to be. So when I saw that she had a book out this year, I was like, right, I'm gonna put that on my list. I'll get round to it. 
and I only just did. I did the audiobook of this, but I actually have ordered the physical copy because I loved it so much. So this centers around Gwen, who is a girl in her mid-30s, as we are, mm-hmm. who gets made redundant from her job and she's got a little bit of money put aside with the redundancy payment. So she kind of takes the pressure off herself a little bit, kind of finding a job straight away. She doesn't really know which direction she wants to go in. She happens to find herself in her local charity shop one day and there is a sign in the window asking for volunteers. So she she signs up for something to kind of keep her busy and something to do. And does not expect the that the charity shop is going to help her a lot more than she expected it to. So she has come out of a serious long-term relationship and her friends are all kind of at different stages in their lives to her. So okay. she really connects with the um, workers in the charity shop, the other volunteers, but also the customers that come in. So that storyline in itself was really kind of wholesome and heartwarming, kind of self-discovery in an unexpected place. And Mm. I really liked her as a character. If I had a criticism, I would say she seemed a little bit, um, a little bit more... Um, uncertain than I think felt real I think by the time you get to your mid-30s yes of course there are kind of things that you're uncertain about but she felt more like maybe a younger character um, in that regard but she was still likable and interesting and I kind of was rooting for her yeah but running alongside her storyline are these amazing little vignettes of the items that are Uh, donated and also bought from the charity shop and they were absolutely magical so it was things like a clock which was donated by accident and we learn the backstory of this clock and how it meant a, a great deal to the old lady who owned it how it meant a great deal to her dad and in those little vignettes of the of those items was where actually the real emotion came for me because they were it really kind of showed how whole lives can be kind of caught up in what you would ordinarily think is kind of a nothing item just a hoodie or a box of scrabble or something that someone's decided they no longer need or want and the memories that are attached to that item and i was like sobbing at times oh. <laughs> um <laughs> It's so well written. It's it's um, quick paced. The story mm. doesn't ever feel like it kind of pauses. It just keeps going. Um, they're all really endearing characters that you meet along the way. The side characters who are um, within those kind of item stories. There's also a thread that we learn about Gwen's family. Um, there's a loss. There's a theme with your books as well. Uh, there's a loss that her family has experienced. So there's a little bit of her working through those emotions that she's not really kind of done before. And I just thought it was so layered, so well done. Um, and I'd read somewhere that it is at its heart a love letter to charity shops. Obviously, this is something mm. which the author feels really strongly about, the idea yeah. that an item has so much more life in it than just the kind of short period of time that we use them for. Um, sure. I'd, and I thought it was really clever, really lovely book. And I 
I it w- probably will be high up on my list for this year, which is oh nice, okay, yeah, wild considering kind of on the face of it, it's a chiclet, easy read, not my kind of thing, yeah. But it was those kind of sneaky little surprises that were hidden within the items, which I thought was just so heartwarming. And I, I really, really loved it. Fab. Um, on <laughs> so my, my next one is, chi- is Chiclet as well. I was just kind of looking when you were saying about the, the, sort of the theme of loss. Um, I was looking at all of my books yeah literally every single one of them has some (laughs) sort of quite connect like a strong connection to to a loss of some description yeah you are in your Um, in your sad girl era i'm in my sad girl era i really am (laughs) that's what i think aisha said that when i said that the great alone made me cry i'm obviously like yeah picking going for things that are like emotional reads at the moment I, maybe it's the weather I don't know like yeah it's dark and gloomy yeah <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um the next one I'm I'm gonna go for is um the minute I saw you by Paige Toon and I bought this one ages ago or maybe maybe I was given it I think it was probably a um yeah I think we did like a give a, it was from a giveaway or something along those lines yeah one of those um, and I've I've wanted to pick up some page tune for a while because she's one of those authors that again has like a huge back catalogue um, and I think she might have followed us I don't know whether she still does but I think she followed us on, on Bookstagram and I was like oh yeah I really need to read some of your books yeah um, so this was one of my 23 and 23 I think as well so it's been on my list and I kept putting it on like my monthly ones and i just hadn't got around to it so i read it this week it was great i absolutely loved it um it's it's a romance but it's i don't know that there was again uh, quite a lot of layers to it it was just really well written hannah is uh the protagonist so she's a great name for a start yeah i'm on um, board i like her already yeah exactly and she uh develops a what well, I don't want to say a relationship but she she meets this guy called Sunny and they obviously have this instant connection and then we basically discover things about each of them which means that they shouldn't be together and like they they not not easy things either like some pretty serious stuff right um so it's it's not again this is not fluff like it's got some quite pretty horrific um topics so i think it's one of those that that you probably should look up trigger warnings Mm -hmm. um because yeah it's not like an easy read in places um but i thought that it was these those things were sensitively handled from from my perspective anyway mm-hmm. um and yeah it's, it's basically about her um she's running away from something that's happened in her life he's kind of trying to rebuild after something that's happened in in his life um and they have like a mutual friendship group and it's set in cambridge and it's in the summer and it's 
was completely the opposite of like all the cozy vibes that I've been going for before it was like sunny beer gardens and things like that (laughs) so I was kind of thrown into a different part of the year and that felt quite nice and nostalgic in a way yeah um so yeah it was it was uh, a, a similar vibe in sort of certain themes that I've been reading in my Christmassy books but um yeah it was it was a nice departure um and yeah the the relationships again like the friendships that that Hannah has as well between like her family and the these friendships that she forms um and then the sort of potential romance situation that's obviously there bubbling away but can't can't happen so it's like a forbidden the forbidden uh, romance side of things so it was all really really well done and yeah I really really enjoyed it so I think I will be reading some more page tune because I I think it was yeah really well handled she has a huge back catalogue as well doesn't she yeah and I feel like I yeah, see her a lot. everywhere and I've not read anything yeah. by her either no I'd be interested to see what you think actually um but yeah yeah it's it's like a literally I'm holding up that's like a a page of a book (laughs) by her um and she has got some Christmas ones as well apparently Christmassy ones um some short stories and stuff uh but yeah she's got she's got loads um I'm not sure when this one where this one comes when was it released oh it's 2020 it was a 2020 one okay um but yeah very much enjoyed that one so yeah well done page two you got me you've got me hooked i will read more um i think i gave it like a i gave it four stars but i feel like i would have given it more like a 4.5 i've said this a lot of the books that i've read recently i've been hovering on like a 0.5 star and i Mm. need goodreads to move to a 10 a 10 scoring system because mm. i just maybe we need to do um is it story graph yes um i feel like maybe we should try 2024 should be the year we try story graph yeah i think i'll try and keep goodreads up but i'm everybody says story graph is better superior <laughs> so maybe maybe we should try and be doing both yeah um, that's an idea so um, yeah, maybe if if anyone listening has experience with Storygraph, send us a drop us a message or yeah DM us and uh, let us know what we should be doing with Storygraph. Yeah. I'm completely in the dark about it, other than I've been told that it's good. Yeah, so me too. Um, okay, right, we'll put that on our on our to do list, mental to do list. Um, next book. Ooh, this one was a good one. Um, if I hadn't read so many blinking good books recently, I think this one probably would have been up there with like faves of the year. This, I, I mean, it's it's definitely, I would say probably in my top ten. Uh huh. Probably. Um. So this is the Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay. Um. And this was another uh, flow and her books <laughs> recommendation. And I think Emma's read it as well. Um, and said that I was really like it and they were right. So um, I bought this, I think when we went on our little bookster outing at Queer Lit um, ages ago. So again, I think maybe this was another 23 and 23 read that I've popped on there. 
um, I think it was, and I'd been meaning to get to it for ages, and I finally did. And it's a dual timeline, yippee, um, set between 1980s in Chicago, um, and I say I say modern day Paris, but it's like 2015. Yeah, 2015. Um, it's around the time of the the terrorist Bataclan right uh, yeah. shootings. It's a, it's around there. So, um, the the main storyline in uh, the 1980s Chicago um, focuses around a group of friends who are uh, mostly gay men um, that are just being absolutely decimated by the AIDS epidemic and it's not really an area I know a great deal about I'll be honest so this it was a that was quite an eye-opening um book for me uh and the the main the protagonist in that part of the storyline is Yale um and yeah it's basically following the survivors and the victims of the the AIDS epidemic mm-hmm. and um then the modern day modern day storyline is uh, Fiona who is um the sister of one of the men in the 80s so she does feature in both timelines right okay um but yeah basically her her modern day story she's got based a lot of uh, family issues and she ends up going to Paris to track down her daughter um, and it's one of those books that's definitely just really strong likeable characters they're flawed they have a lot of stuff going on a lot of in the the uh, 1980s narrative everyone's kind of just resigned to the fact that most of them are gonna get sick and at that point it was a death sentence so most of them are are gonna die Mm -hmm. um and it was kind of it was it was just brutal yeah (laughs) um like yeah it was but again it was a really tasteful tastefully tactfully done thing um so i think i I read in uh the author's note afterwards that she wanted to um come from a sort of a position of of solidarity and not wanting to sort of take advantage of of that as a as a storyline it's not like wanting to appropriate it for just spinning a good yarn i think it was more like she wanted yeah to help educate people about something that I, I don't know I haven't really read anything about it before so I, I definitely learned a lot um, and yeah it was just really really beautifully done really well crafted lovable characters mm-hmm. um, in yeah quite diff- differing settings but like the two timelines it it worked i i don't really know how she did it because it felt quite disjointed in a way but it it did work um so yeah i i haven't seen it that much 
Um, but it was a winner of the Carnegie Medal, shortlisted for the National Book Award. Um, and it's really, really good. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it was one of those that I think Flo uh, recommended Hearts Invisible um, Furies to me and this at the same time. Right. I think if you like one, then you'll, you will like the other. They go quite well yeah. together. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend that. I think people will really like it. Yeah, I put it on my list when I'd read your review, but I have got a million more that I need to stop buying books and actually read the ones I have. Yeah, it's a problem, isn't it? It's a problem we all have. It's fine. <laughs> Don't you worry about it. <laughs> um, I realise, looking at my little pile, I've not got very much fiction left, so I am going to get through one of my non-fiction picks right now, which is um, Cultish, The Language of Fanaticism. That was cult with an L. Um, and it is by Amanda Montel and it is basically a kind of study of not just the words of cults but the way in which cult leaders um, kind of break down their followers and um, maybe change their perceptions of what is real and what is not so it does have some trigger warnings to be had. I'm fascinated by anything to do with cults. I've, I will watch mm. any documentary, listen to any single podcast. And I'd seen this. Also, I'm showing Rhiannon, like, the cover is so fun. It's, like, yeah. bright and, like, kind of 70s colours. Mm. Um, so it says inside the cover... She analyzes the social science of cult influence, how cultish groups from Jonestown and Scientologists to Soul Cycle and social media gurus. So she kind of kicks us off with the cults that we all know, the ones mm. that end in tragedy and lots of death and disruption to lots of people's families, and yeah. shows how the models of their power structure can be used in businesses like the kind of Instagram gyms, Peloton, those kinds of things. It's the same language that they use. The um, kind of inclusive, no, not inclusive, it's exclusive words, like abbreviations for things. So if you don't know what people are talking about, you feel left out and you want to get right. deeper into the group. Sure. And within things like those gyms where it's if you miss one session everyone else is going to think that you're bad or everyone else is going to think that you're not as dedicated so the yeah. idea of kind of peer pressure to keep yeah. people coming back for more um and even to things like uh, the insurrectionists donald trump the january 6th riots those kinds of the the um insightful words that he used to gear people up to do something he wanted them to do it's so fascinating I absolutely yeah. blasted through it and I thought it was so interesting to consider how you think of a cult as kind of 70s hippies something which you wouldn't fall prey to but to see it the way that it mirrors in modern day like social media influencers things like that I think it's quite scary, <laughs> mm. um, but also just really fascinating. She's like funny, yeah. sarcastic, dry. It, she reads like she's just someone we would hang out with. Yeah, and I really, really enjoyed it. I can't, 
I can't recommend it enough to anyone who likes language. Yeah. Um, but also if you're interested in cults and yeah, yeah, weird stuff like that. Yeah, but that thinks uh, the um, you know, the daughter in the book that I said that that um, she joined a cult. Right. That was the that's how she initially went missing in the last book. Um, so there you go. That's a little. There's the tenuous link. There's the tenuous link. Well, I kind of linked it with my next book, which is, um, it is fiction. And it's one that I finished just today. So it's fresh, hot off the press. And this is Bunny by Mona Awad, which was one of my 23 in 23. And I almost feel like I shouldn't be talking about it yet because I haven't quite digested it. It's a very weird book. And I didn't think I liked it until about two-thirds of the way through. So it centres on Samantha, who is studying for her Masters in Fine Art in, like, creative writing at a very highbrow arts university in America. Okay. So it's a very elitist, kind of closed-off world. And she already feels like a bit of an outsider within the college setting. And in her class, there is only her and then these four other girls who are the kind of popular girls. And they all seem a little bit awful, if I'm honest. <laughs> and she's not quite sure if she likes them. So she calls them bunnies. In her, That's her derogatory nickname for them. Um, she imagines them all calling... Well, they call each other bunny. So they've got this almost kind of weird secret language with it between each other and she while she doesn't like them she one day gets invited to come to their workshop and she kind of sees it as a way to connect with them to not feel like such of an outsider and in this evening really weird stuff happens (laughs) And it's not quite clear whether it's actually happening or whether it's a metaphor for something or whether she's insane. And I really struggled with that pretty much the whole way through the book was I don't know what's real and what's not real and what I'm supposed to be just kind of letting myself go with and what actually means something to the story. And I think that's where I'm a bit like, I feel like maybe in a week's time I might know actually what I think about it. Okay. What I do know is that there isn't one character in this book that's likable, which I think is another thing that made me struggle. Mm. If you've not got someone to hang your hat on and go, Latch right, I, I get yeah. you and I understand you, I think it's really quite hard to care. Um, but I also think the setting of it, I didn't do a master's in fine arts and anything that was remotely creative. And it seems like it's such a niche world where they're very competitive and but kind of subvertly competitive so they're all seemingly trying to egg each other on and help each other creatively Mm -hmm. but it are they really Mm -hmm. I think maybe I got lost there because it's not a setting or a scenario that I feel any kind of connection to so I don't know whether to someone definitely sounds sounds like a, a creative degree (laughs) yeah well I don't see this is the thing is I don't know whether somebody like you who has been part of that world would maybe connect with that side of it way more than I did and might get something totally different from it sure um I thought it was very well written I have to say the writing was really descriptive and I could picture everything she was saying and I was 
intrigued. I really wanted to know <laughs> what was going on. <laughs> I don't know if I do. And there's a moment quite near the end where one of them is kind of critiquing the other one's work. And she just says, like, I feel dumb when I read this because I don't know what's happening. And I was like, yeah. yes, that's me right now. I feel dumb reading this book. So okay. That's not an anti-recommendation. I'm sure that there will be people who get so much out of this book, especially if you've got that connection to the creative degree, that kind of world. But for me, I just felt so removed from it that okay. I I couldn't work out what was real and what was not. <laughs> okay. So. Fair um, similarly, my next one is one that was on my 23 in 23. And I read this today. Uh, start to finish, I read it this morning. It's not a very long book. Um, so very similar to Hannah, hot off the press. Um, and this is Lemon by Kwon Yo Sun. So it's a um, translated fiction. And I, I, much like Hannah, don't really know, know what I think of this one. <laughs> um, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, and I feel like I don't, I don't think I got it either. Right. Um, so it's, it's meant to be like a, a crime thriller type book. It's only 150 pages. And so it, it starts in 2002. It goes through several different, um, like it fast forwards through the years and it starts in 2002 when, um, this, uh, girl is murdered and then we basically go through a cycle of different characters that are linked to this murder um so there are the, there are there were two suspects to the murder one was like this rich kid who um buggered off to america and then another one was uh, a poor poorer guy who kind of got me messed up in things um so we sort of see uh a little bit of what like happens to them um and some of other girls in the class of this um the girl that was murdered mm -hmm. and much like your book there wasn't really anything anyone that i like could latch on to with this one um so I, I, yeah I, I don't know whether some of it was lost in translation right. I don't know if the translation for me was a particularly I don't want to say it was a bad translation because what do I know but I feel <laughs> like maybe some of the some of the um nuances were lost right and like those certain things that I think maybe were were meant to sound more poetic than they they did right. and more profound than they did I, d I don't know um yeah it it again kind of went over my head a little bit I wasn't sure um on the in the different timelines because it goes through i tell you the, so we basically start in 2002 and we zip forward to 2006 three different things in 2010 2015 17 and 19 so it like zips zips around right. um 
and I wasn't always sure who was speaking um and that's that's I think the point I think the idea is that we're cycling through these different characters and hearing things from their different points of view Mm -hmm. in the hope that we find out who it was that that killed this girl yeah the main person that we kind of latch onto is her sister very weird character who seems to go through a bit of a tumultuous time and there there are allusions to the fact that the the mum was very strange as well um just weird relationships between everybody and i didn't really know what i was meant to make of it and i've come out not knowing any more (laughs) than i went in um so yeah maybe it was just a little bit too weird for a boxing day morning where i just needed to have (laughs) like nice cozy books again um but you know i'm i tried it (laughs) that's all you can do you can do so again i would say maybe it's it's not an anti-recommendation it it wasn't it wasn't what i my brain wasn't in that place right um it might have it might have hit differently on a different day yeah um but there we go um now the next one that i'm going to talk about is one that i think everybody should read but go in sort of knowing that this is a book about terminal cancer and loss so it's not your easiest read in the world but it's (laughs) such a good book um and i've seen so many good reviews about this only one person i've seen that didn't like this um which shocked me but anyway this is we all want impossible things by Catherine newman um and this author seems like a complete babe as well she's been like the biggest sort of oh thank you so much for like sharing my book and stuff on she she seems so sweet so lovely to have a humble author um who can write bloody good books um so this is a story about edie and ash and they're two friends who are so super close um they have done practically everything together and um Edie's diagnosed with terminal cancer um and moves to hospice care near ash she moves away from her this this kind of blew my mind moves away from like her husband and small child to be (laughs) basically in in a hospice um near to ash right um and ash is the one that's like pri- like primarily caring for her in in like her final days mm-hmm. um and it was just the most impeccable little book it's not big but it just has the most amazing characters who they're real human characters who you you can't I, I just you can't dislike them right i couldn't anyway <laughs> um they're quirky it's very um it's very like quick-witted uh what i think i said um in my review almost like gilmore girls-esque uh sort of 
banter back and forth. Yeah. It's really it's really funny for a book that is it's ultimately about death. It was just so heartwarming and yeah, I absolutely loved it. This was this was up there as a, a fave of the year. I'm really going to struggle with actually putting my order of fave, fave of the year because I feel yeah. like in the last like three months I've I've read three books that the last two months I've read three books that could possibly be a fave. So um, yeah, this is well up there and yeah, it's such a little book that yeah, highly recommend to everybody basically yeah. it's really well written and really delicately handled and yeah i have it Very on my shelf already human yeah but i've just got I... i've still got i'm just looking i think i've still got eight books of my 23 and 23 so i've got to try and read all of those in five days Goodness. so <laughs> yeah i was um <clears throat> i mean we've i normally at this stage i'm normally done with my 100 arbitrary books mm-hmm. challenge um but because i barely read anything in november i read like three books or whatever that really scuppered me yeah <laughs> so like today i've read well I've, I've finished two books so far today and i'm like plowing through to my th- third yeah. book <laughs> it's like oh come on i'm still one behind schedule at the moment i need to be on schedule oh i think um, i'm like 12 behind schedule but this is kind of standard for me i don't know why i do the same target every year when i never hit it it seems so silly <laughs> i'm like setting myself up to fail yeah no, we're, we're obviously <laughs> mad aren't we but yeah i could i mean these are sh- that's a short one so it, you can power th- i actually i i nursed this one because um, I was reading it whilst I was on tour and there are just so many, like, there's loads of quotes and things that I've, like, tabbed. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I think just shows how much I, I loved it. But, yeah, it was super good. There you go. Good. Well, I think there ends our fiction portion of the show. Mm. <laughs> now we're into deep into, I don't know why, I've gone, like, really heavy on non-fiction this month for some strange reason. Um, <laughs> I'm going to kick us off with a fairly new release I think it only came out maybe October time and it's called The Wager by David Gran so I read Killers of the Flower Moon earlier this year which is also written by David Gran and loved that so I was kind of felt like I knew I I was going to be in safe hands and I am 100% sure in saying that he is like the king of narrative non-fiction so this centres around it's obviously it's a true story of the wager which is a 18th century ship which set off in i think i've written down 1740 it set off on a covert mission to intercept a spanish treasure ship off the coast of chile okay so i mean naval history possibly quite a dry subject not something Mm. which i would ordinarily think i'd be interested in but the wager was beset by all manners of dramas. They came, um, there was scurvy on board, typhus on board. Everybody went a little bit physically and mentally unwell. Um, they end up in a storm and shipwrecked and end up having to live on this island off the coast of Patagonia somewhere, which is now called Wager Island because the men who lived there, ended up living there for months, named it Wager Island. They survived there on 
turtles and squids and whatever they could catch um and slowly just went a little bit mad so they um had to kind of decide how to get back to england and there are various characters who were picked out who obviously played a more major role within the crew it seemed to end up kind of an officers versus sailors there was some who were more kind of working class men who felt that they didn't necessarily want to be um, told what to do by certain people so there was a mutiny and this the ship's company kind of separates and it's just an insane story of survival against every single odds <laughs> in the 17 1700s on a, a ship which I'm sure when I looked at the pictures in the middle there's pictures of parts of the boat which are still on the shores of Wager Island okay. um and I David Grant just writes in such a way which brings the whole thing to life. I could see myself as though, you know, like when you go to a really good museum and it's got like that kind of immersive mm. moment where you can physically see exactly what it would be like in this world. Sure. And he just is so good at it. He kind of writes this, I, it seems he's he writes these character, kind of focuses on stories that have an element of, um, unhealthy obsession with things so he wrote killers of the flower moon which obviously has been made into a scorsese movie about this kind of it was all obsession with kind of oil and greed of the oil fields in america and he also wrote the lost city of z which focuses on the kind of search for this lost city in um mexico i think okay and it's this idea of man getting obsessed with a, an idea which potentially is futile and the, the mm. lengths that they will go to to achieve that goal um it was just so well done I, I bought my dad this for christmas so i mean my dad is a military naval man anyway so i'm sure mm. he will love it but also yeah. just the way that he writes is so good i would pick up him writing about anything the most boring subject you can think of in the world and david graham will make it Makes exciting it Hmm. it's okay. so good cool. it's so good it reads like a pirates of the caribbean novel like yeah just amazing cool uh me again i'm just looking at my list an absolute um flip on the script from the last book this is a it's not a memoir it says on the back this is not a memoir this is a conversation and this is faith hope and carnage which is an interview between Nick Cave and the journalist Sean O'Hagan. So I was already a Nick Cave fan. I've read, I read, read a book last year called Boy on Fire, which is a, yeah. a biography of his early years. And this is created from more than 40 hours of conversations between Nick and this journalist, Sean, who has become his close friend, I guess. Okay. So it explores his... Uh, faith, his grief. He lost his son in a really horrific way in 2015. His teenage son um, fell off a cliff and it was kind of a one of those instant moments that changes everything in your yeah. life. And he talks very candidly about it in this book. Um, so that's a trigger warning to be had for anyone who kind of is on that spectrum of grief wherever you are in that journey. I think 
Um, there are certain points where you are, it's sometimes cathartic to read a book like this and sometimes it's not. So just be aware mm. if you're going into yeah. it with that. Um, he's an artist that I think if you are interested in, you would probably read anything that he <laughs> had a part in. I'd read his shopping list. He's so kind of thought-provoking and interesting the way that he um, approaches things and this talks a lot about his creative process and how that's changed in the last few years and as he's got older and I just think it's a very insightful book for anyone who is a, a creative like yourself I think it's quite interesting because yeah. obviously um, that element of things is super interesting but yeah he the thing which surprised me is how much he talks about faith in this and I am not somebody okay. who is very religious despite being brought up in a very religious house um and working in a convent and working in a convent <laughs> yeah yeah so that element of things is like it's just really nice to see a different side to someone who I have grown up with as a yeah. as a figure of my life um and a very interesting way of doing yeah it's not a memoir it is literally just hours and hours of them talking and putting it onto paper um what I will say is that I listened to the audiobook for some of this and it's one of those strange where you can tell that they've had these phone conversations which have been recorded then that's been written down and then it's been re-recorded by them together so it kind of feels a little bit stilted right yeah where I almost would have preferred to have just had the raw audio originals yeah. which I know it couldn't have been because then it would have literally been 40 hours of them just chatting but yeah. there was an element where I was like oh that just feels like some sort of kind of authenticity that's lost a little bit but yeah for sure. anyone who's interested in him or um creativity and grief it's absolute like monster also he loves his i mean i don't you'll know his wife probably more than you know nick cave do you know the vampire's wife dresses have you seen them no <gasps> i think so well you you need to look them up on instagram so she makes these amazing like metallic gorgeous dresses and okay. the, the way he speaks about his wife and his like reverence for her is just so beautiful to read that i was like this is like absolute goals relationship okay. goals Mm -hmm. nice um cool i'm on to my last one uh so my last one is a non non-fiction one as well um and uh, can you tell that we're trying to rattle through our 23 and 23s because <laughs> this is another one that came from that list yep um so <laughs> uh this is a mindfulness guide for the frazzled by ruby wax so i bought this ages ago probably when i was just feeling a bit stressed out um and thought that it would probably be good to have some more stuff to read to chill chill my brain down um mainly the i guess the the, the main issues that i tend to have like mentally uh it it's really just burnout and trying to do too many things at once um so i think that's what interested me in this i definitely get frazzled um so i knew ruby wax as like the 
comedian of the sort of 90s really wasn't she she yeah. was like a, one of those famous tv comics that you saw um lots of and then she pretty much like disappeared into obscurity from from my perspective anyway yeah um and reading this book um i've discovered that she's suffered from depression depressive episodes throughout her life and that's kind of what what happened basically and she decided to go and retrain and learn about the psychology of it all um and that's basically what she's been doing and she but she says she's like she's not an expert on it she's not like she's not got a phd in it she's not a doctor so she's thoroughly honest with where she's like quoting all of all of the sort of information from and she's obviously got access to some amazingly uh brainy people (laughs) um who have a lot of really interesting things to say um but yeah i thought that this was it it was a really good book i i enjoyed it because it was written by a normie a normal person and therefore i i found it easy to digest so if you're someone that is interested in psychology but wants it to be understandable and not like an incredibly dry textbook this is probably a good place to start Mm -hmm. um she basically offers some explanations as to why we can have down down periods or uh why we overthink things and like how how the brain is wired so she Mm -hmm. talks a little bit about that and then a big chunk of the book is like how to go about using various different mindfulness techniques to um, not stop that happening, but to to help. Um, and my I don't know whether you've ever like done it, dabbled in any sort of mindfulness. Like I, there are certain things that are mindfulness adjacent that I think I've probably used in the past as just like almost meditative techniques mm-hmm. um but i wouldn't say that i've ever like practiced mindfulness so this was like yeah just a a nice understandable insightful read into a few different things that i can maybe take away for when my brain starts to get a little bit overwhelmed with all the stuff that i'm trying to do yeah and just techniques for telling me to chill out Um, (laughs) do you think it made a difference coming from someone who is within the creative industry because I do think sometimes mm. I'll get messages from you and you'll be like yeah so my next day off is in like 11 days time and I'll be like I don't know how you exist and I feel like a normal mindfulness in inverted commas book from like someone who works a nine-to-five and can take that time at a regular point yeah might read differently yeah maybe i think that that's a really good point that i hadn't hadn't really thought about um but yeah she 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 definitely makes it so that it's not like you must do this you must do that it it's more of a 
if you can, yeah. try and do these five minutes. Right. So it's definitely a lot more doable. And like, the, she goes into a lot more detail in certain bits. And there's also like chapters on how to practice mindfulness as a parent or how to help your children mm-hmm. practice mindfulness if you've got a stressed out kid. And um, so that there's quite a lot of stuff in there that wasn't necessarily pertinent to to me mm-hmm. um but would be really helpful to to others so yeah i re- i i thought that it was a a well thought out book and was what i needed um i kind of left it for a point in the year where i had t- too much on <laughs> yeah um, well, you needed and it. <laughs> yeah exactly i like i'd been saving it and saving it i was like i've kind of been i felt all right <laughs> fine um and then yeah i got to got to a point in like november where it had just been incessant for too long um and yeah so this was quite a a cathartic read um at that point so yeah i i really rated it and like it's been around for a while i Mm -hmm. I think she wrote it in like 2014 or something it was like it's not not a new book um but yeah really enjoyed it and i definitely look at more of more stuff by her because i think she wrote well like it's it's funny as well it's ruby wax like she's not going to write in a like super super serious way yeah um so there's definitely a lot of like sarcasm um and like brash humor in there as well um so it doesn't take itself too seriously which i think is something that i i appreciated um kind of snaps you out of your woe is me (laughs) when someone's using using humor in that yeah. way um so yeah that's my last one cool well ruby wax is a character a person who features in my next book which is why i put them yeah. next to each other and i think yeah. when you when you posted your review i think we were doing a double review day and i was like oh right well i need to post the Alan Rickman diaries yeah. it's called madly deeply the alan rickman diaries and it is exactly what it says on the tin so Alan Rickman, you... Well, I guess he's somebody different to everybody who is listening. To me, mm. I think he is iconically Severus Snape. But he yeah, is also sure. a lot of other characters. So whoever yes. he is to you, he is a beloved British actor who passed away a few years ago now. And throughout his... Not just his life, but throughout his career, he was a, a prolific diary keeper. Like, he had like volumes and volumes of diaries of years and years and years when he passed away that he had always intended to be um, released, published and released. So this is published with the permission of his wife and I think that's important because I do sometimes think it's maybe not how... It feels a little bit kind of morbid to be taking something so personal to somebody putting a pretty picture on the front of it and selling it that feels a little bit Mm -hmm. weird but this has been done with his his permission and his wife's permission and it basically details i'm just looking to see where the first i think it's 1993 is the first few um section yeah 1993 is the first year all the way to the last which i think is like 2012 2013 maybe and it is it's a hard one to say i think it's dry 
Okay. Um, it is very, very dry. I think partly because he as a person seemed to be quite dry. He's very okay. um, matter of fact about things. So there are parts of this where I did glaze over and kind of skimmed through. And I think I would say this is really good as a kind of dip in, dip out book. Um, it's one which I would say is a toilet book. So it would be like in my guest toilet downstairs because you could open it on any page and read a ridiculously big celebrity name. And it's that's really interesting, but it's not something which you can sit and read cover to cover because you start to get okay. bored about hearing who he went for lunch with that day. Sure. Um, so... Yeah, he's, I mean, there are, so Ruby Wax features quite heavily, especially in the early, in the early chapters, the early years, because they were apparently incredible friends. So there are moments where it is, he's at somebody's housewarming party and every member of British comedy royalty is just there sitting with a glass of wine. Yeah. Those moments are like, pinch yourself, silly, kind of huge names. Um, So it's worth it for those little snippets of gold. And I started off highlighting whenever I saw something exciting and I ended up highlighting so much that I had to stop because I was like well there's someone famous on every single page this is Mm. ridiculous um obviously as it got later in the book we get to the Harry Potter sections which I was more interested and intrigued in I think with it I mean the 90s was like the sense and sensibility Robin Hood which I was aware of as a kid but didn't have such an understanding of so those early years I kind of skated past I didn't really know very much about some of the people but the Harry Potter years it's like interesting little snippets to be like oh that's when they filmed that scene yeah this is how he felt about that he is unflinching in his feelings about people so if he doesn't like somebody he wrote it very clearly he was not scared to write to write it um And I thought that was quite interesting, an interesting insight into his character. Mm. I wonder what he was like to actually meet, because I think he did play villains quite a lot. And you like to... I don't know whether he did have that kind of cold personality in person. Um, One of the things which did surprise me, which I mentioned to Alex quite early on when I was reading this, is his love for the craft of acting and the craft of the theatre is so overwhelming within this book he seemed to go to the theater every day it seemed or to go to a movie to go to see something there wasn't a day that went by that he didn't go out and watch some acting or some directing and I think that was really interesting to to know just how seriously he took it was was really insightful um So yeah, I think it would be, it's one which I would recommend to an Alan Rickman fan, but just maybe don't pick, I tried to read it cover to cover and got so just bogged down in like abbreviations and initials for people and I just got lost. So I think it's one to kind of dip in and read a few pages just to see what Alan was up to in 1997. (laughs) Um, The foreword is written by Emma Thompson, which is, as you would imagine, amazing. And I thought she... Yeah, that was really heartfelt. It really felt like that you could feel the love that she had for him as a friend. And I thought that was lovely, but maybe a little dry. I don't know what I expected. So I think I probably should have expected dry, but... 
hey-ho, we live and we learn. Um, <laughs> my last one you actually can talk a little bit about with me because this is one that you've yes. read and talked about already. So I won't go on a long time about it, but I wanted to end on a... I was going to say on a big positive. I don't know if it is a big positive. Um, but this is I'm Glad My Mum Died by Jeanette McCurdy, which, yeah. as I said, Rhiannon read earlier in the year and raved yes. about... So I thought I'm going to have to get to it. I'd listened to the audio book, which is narrated yep. by the author. Yeah, same. Um, and I think that really helped because I don't know her as a person, as an actor. Um, so I don't know I would have got her voice necessarily if I'd have been reading the physical book. Yeah. But what an amazing book. Yeah. <laughs> um, heavy, trigger warnings are plenty, but my goodness what a story I had to like remind myself at times that this was real and not she was literally talking about her life yeah yeah so interesting and sad but also really empowering because you know how she got through it and I think yeah absolutely amazing and I think I just didn't want to not say yes I read it yes I loved it so I will second what Rhiannon said, an incredible memoir, even if you have no idea who she is, like I didn't. Same. Yeah. I, Absolutely I think she, She's definitely not our era of, like, child actor. So it, she wasn't someone that that we'd... we would have come across, really, I don't think. No, and she but. kind of, for me, was in between me being a kid and my children, so... She didn't, she's not on the Nickelodeon shows that my kids then watched. Mm, I yeah, just right. missed her. Yeah, um, right in the middle. But yeah, but yeah, but yeah you, been... don't, you don't need to know her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sought her out on Instagram afterwards because I was like, I wanted to, you yeah. know, you want to put like a pick their face to the, to the voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she has a little book club that she does on her Instagram. So I was like, oh, how do we make her be our friend and be part of our book club? <laughs> so, um, that's yeah I just think she was an amazing and just such a strength to be able to I'm sure it was hard for her to write it and to read it and to kind of relive that but to be able to do it so well like you can hear the emotion in her voice as well like when she's reading like it's not it's not an easy because I think I remember thinking like she's quite she's quite she's quite a dry and like straightforward character Mm-hmm. seemingly like the way that she reads it is very like matter of fact yeah um but there are certain like points in it that she obviously found incredibly difficult to sort of yeah. re- relive um so yeah i'm i'm glad that you've read it i thought you'd en- enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's such a weird one, one of those <laughs> yeah um but yeah no it's a really good really good memoir and a good one to end on. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that kind of wraps us up. Definitely wraps up our our standard episodes for 2023. Yeah. Absolutely, and then we're hopefully going to record our favourites of the year. I need to leave it as late as possible because I've not figured it out yet. So no, I've got absolutely no idea. <laughs> I'm I'm starting to stress out. Okay, right. I need to go away and have a thing. <laughs> or maybe we just get really, really drunk, and then it's like just instinctive. You can't think about it too hard. You just okay. So the next drunk episode decisions. might be an absolute car crash. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. All right then. Well, we'll uh, talk at you later. 
Thanks for listening, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to Two Girls, One Book podcast. If you like what you heard, we would love for you to like, follow, rate, subscribe. In fact, just all, all that good stuff, please, would be fantastic. You can also find us on Instagram at Two Girls One Book Pod, so come and follow us over there as well. Happy reading and join us next time.